before you go out and buy any curriculum for this coming year, before you start making all the plans, you'll want to check out my conversation with second-generation homeschooler Amy Sloan. Amy talks about the four big-picture questions that you all should be asking before you start planning for this year. She talks about practical strategies to use when you're planning so you don't fall behind during the year and get overwhelmed. She shares how her family pursues restful learning and how you can too, and how to prioritize relationships over checklists. All right, all good things that you need to hear before you start putting in the work of planning. Let's get to it. Hey mama, welcome to the Nourished Mom Podcast, where you're going to learn how to find balance between homeschooling, housework, and all the other things. God is calling your family to a life of peace and goodness, even on those days when you're trying to remember why you chose to homeschool, you just want a minute to yourself, and you're overwhelmed with a million things to do. If you're ready for simple routines, time management strategies, and biblical mindsets to transform your days from on balance to intentional, then you are in the right place. So set those kiddos up with some Legos, some independent work, or whatever is gonna keep them engaged for the next 15 minutes while we dig into today's show. Welcome to the Nourished Mom Podcast. We are back again. And today we have a special guest. Her name is Amy Sloan from the Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology podcast. And Amy and her husband are second generation homeschoolers to five children, eight to 18 years old. So she's got a big range of kids right there and a new homeschool graduate. Is that right? Yes. At the moment that we're recording, it still hasn't happened, but it's imminent. Awesome. Congratulations. That's exciting. It is. And the Sloan family adventures together in North Carolina. And Amy encourages homeschoolers through her podcast. And one thing that she says that I really love is that the best education is one that leads to a humble view of oneself and a glorified view of the beauty of God. That's beautiful. Also read in your bio that you prioritize relationships over checklists. So I have so many good questions for you regarding all that stuff. And another thing that really stood out to me when I was reading all of the things about what you do is how you pursue a restfully classical education. And I think we'll probably dive into that a little bit, but I would love just like a brief behind the scenes peek. Like, what does that look like for you in a a normal day? Okay. Well, it certainly doesn't look like sitting on the sofa with bonbons and my feet up. So it's (laughs) not restful in the sense of it not being hard work. But we really do seek to um, prioritize the big questions and the big ideas and thinking about um, the wonder that comes from education rather than just trying to like cram in as many facts and figures and details as we can during the day. Yes, that sounds good. Because I feel like the other way, am I, I mean, I have not been homeschooling nearly as long as you, but when we try to do it that way, it doesn't seem to work very well. 
No, it kind of leads one of two places. Either you have a kid who really thrives on that. And so they get really puffed up because now they're super smart and amazing. And they think, look at me. I know all the things now. I don't need to be taught anything else. So they have all this knowledge and no wisdom. Or you have a kid where they just can't keep up and they feel discouraged and behind. And and moms can have both of those extremes too. So That's so interesting when you say that because I'm thinking of my oldest, Silas, And he goes from both of those extremes, right? Like sometimes he's like, yeah, like I know all the things about this topic. And I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm like, I don't think that anybody knows all the things about this topic. But then there'll be some days where it's the opposite. You know, like I can't do this. I can't keep up. I don't know this. Um, You know, that pressure of trying to know all the facts. Yeah, it's a very human experience. Now, I'm really excited to pick your brain. I don't even think I said thank you for coming on the show, Amy. I think I skipped over that part. So thank you so much for being here. (laughs) It's a joy. It's always fun to get to be on the other side of the mic. So I know that you do a lot of helping moms to plan out their homeschools. Is that right? Yes. And I think that, you know, when we think homeschool planning, So many moms, the first thing they think of is jumping right into like picking out the curriculum. Um, You know, when you search, I don't know if you're in a lot of homeschool mom groups, but whenever I'm reading the comments in my groups, that's one of the main things that comes up, you know, like what curriculum do you use? What's the best curriculum? And I know that sometimes we get really distracted with all those shiny things or we buy a bunch of stuff that looks good or that our friends told us worked for them. And then it doesn't really work out for us. So I'm wondering where would you have people start? Like, what are some questions you would have them kind of ask themselves before they start planning or buying a curriculum? Yeah. So there are four questions I think that are really helpful to ask before you jump in, like you were saying to just, okay, what's the best math curriculum? And if you go into one of those groups, suddenly 25 people are giving you 25 different answers. And how do you know which is actually the best one for your family, right? So I think it's really good to start with these big picture questions. Um, I go into them in more detail in my free ebook, but the first question is just, what kind of human do you want to raise? So when you think really big picture, at the end of your homeschool journey, you think about this child, you know, who, like I think about my son who's graduating, going into adulthood. What are those non-academic characteristics? What are your family priorities that you really want to, to focus on? These could be things like um, really wanting self-control or um, dedication and stick-to-itiveness, perseverance, kindness, humility. I mean, there, it's not like you're picking just um, from a general list of the best characteristics. But for your family specifically, what are your family goals? Like those top few. And I think that those give us a way to focus our prayers um, because homeschooling certainly is not going to magically make our kids kind if kindness is a goal, (laughs) but it can really help us focus our prayers. And when we set those priorities um, at the beginning, it helps us then as we start making the day-to-day decisions, especially when we're having to choose between more than one good thing, because so often we're picking between good things, not between a good and a bad thing. Then the second question I like to ask is what worked well last year? 
you know, especially if you've been homeschooling for a while, sometimes you just want to pick something new just for the sake of something new. Ooh, it's shiny. That looks so cool, you know? And I think it's important to remember that faithful consistency matters. And if something was working really well last year, don't change just for the sake of change. If you need a different program, like you need a different you know, type of science topic or a new level or something like that, you can still use this question to think, you know, how did this work well with my kids? Was it uh, that it fit their learning style or did I really like the way it was open and go or did I like the flexibility to do my own thing? So knowing what worked well in the past helps you then make the decisions in the future. The faithful consistency. Um, I'm definitely one of the types that I get kind of bored and then I want to skip around. I'm like, no, no, we've got to like, we should stay consistent. Like I'll stick through it. Like, let's do it. But you know, sometimes we shouldn't. Sometimes it's time to switch. So I love that. Like looking at it, like what really worked, you know, like don't ditch the things that if they were working well for you, because then you might just pick up something that's not going to work well for you. Exactly. But you bring up a point, sometimes you need to change. So that's the third question, which is what didn't work well last year? You know, uh, was there something that always led to tears? Uh, Maybe for mom. I mean, sometimes they led to mom's tears, right? Or just maybe you as the mom just dreaded that one subject or that one curriculum. And I tend to, when I dread it, I tend to not want to do it. So, Mm. you know, it's not very helpful for our children. So uh, this is also a good question to ask our kids, you know, what was this thing that you really didn't like this past year and listening to them and taking in um, that input can help. Also, just again, we're kind of setting up these big picture ideas before we start looking at specific correct curriculum. Mm. I love how you were talking about like sometimes it just didn't work for mom because I've been finding over and over again that a lot of times when something isn't working. I like to look at like, oh my, like it's the kids. Of course it's the kids. They didn't like it or they couldn't sit through it or whatever, but more and more I'm finding that it's actually me and how I'm presenting it. Mm, So I'm not liking something. Yeah. And I'm presenting it in a way that's not exciting. Like, obviously they're not going to be excited about it. Or um, I've noticed a big issue when I'm distracted. So say we're going through something and all of a sudden I'm over like, like picking up some dishes or something. It's really hard for the kids to stay focused. And then I'm like, why is everybody not focused? But it's not that it's not working for them. It's that it wasn't working for me. (laughs) Yeah. And especially any moms who are also balancing like side jobs or volunteer work, things like that. It can be really easy that you get into this mindset of trying to multitask Mm -hmm. and suddenly you're not really focused on anything really well. And uh, I have definitely been there and found myself, oh, I got to do this one last VA thing, you know, over here while I'm really supposed to be talking to the kids. And that's not, that's not helpful for anyone. No, actually. So I recently, things have been changing around our house just with the kids ages. And my husband and I have realized like, oh, we need to make some changes. So like, how are we doing this? And it's been, it's been kind of hard, honestly. And the one thing that I'm noticing is that we should do it together. Because I've been like, oh, you like, we're like, they need to be more responsible for a bigger number of chores around the house. So, you know, I'm trying to coach them through it, but then I'm trying to do my chores at the same time. And that I'm sure will work one day, 
but not when I'm like training them, you know? And the Lord has been like, no, you have to do it together. Like you have to do it with them. Like you're just going to have to wake up a little bit earlier for the next month or something, get your stuff done. So you're not distracted and then just sit down with them and have all of your attention, all of your focus there, not to be distracted. Mm, That's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I do it (laughs) now. Yeah. It's that implementation. That's sometimes the hard part. Yeah. Right. But I want to be faithful. You know, I want to, I want to follow through with what I believe God is telling me to do. So we're talking big picture homeschool planning. And I love how you give us that, like, you know, we don't have to jump right into the little tiny things that are really hard to make choices about, but like a bigger picture thing. And how do you think that's different than how we usually think of homeschool planning? A lot of times when we think about homeschool planning, we're putting very detailed page numbers with very detailed times on the calendar. I know people who plan out an entire year like that with little grids and times. Um, that makes me feel itchy because, you know, within two, two weeks, I mean, actually probably within one day, something's broken, a kid needed help, something took longer than we expected, and suddenly you're behind right at the beginning of the school year. I don't know about you, but I hate the feeling of being behind. It's very stressful to me. So I wanted to find a way to combine flexibility where we could go with the flow, things that come up, and that's the beauty of homeschooling, while not losing that faithful consistency that I talked about earlier, that being diligent and um, doing the work that God has called us to do, which is an important priority in our family. And so I found that starting with a time budget and making sure I thought um, about that first has been really helpful. So let me explain what this is. Yes, I was just going to ask you that. So like we know about like this thing about a money budget, right? We don't sit there and think about all the things we want to buy and all the things we want to do with our money and write it all out. You know, I want to go to England. I want steak for dinner every night, you know, like this dream list of this ideal life or whatever. And then um, you can't actually pay for it. Right. And so you're like, well, how come my, my budget didn't work out very well? Instead, you start with the limitations you have mm-hmm. and then actually spend the actual money, you know, like plan for the money you actually have. And somehow we don't think about our time like that. As homeschool moms, we make out a list of all these subjects, all these projects, all these things we want to do in our homeschool. And it looks amazing. I mean, I would like to have that homeschool here. Sounds great. But then the problem is we've tried to fit like 48 hours worth of things into 24. And then we wonder why we're constantly discouraged and behind and stressed and can't get to all the things on this beautiful plan we made. Yeah. So I like to start with that dream. Okay. All the things you want to do and then be ruthless. Go by and actually estimate how much time each of those things on the list is going to take. And and Mm -hmm. you're probably going to find out that it's actually way more time than you actually have to devote to your homeschool. So sometimes that means you have to just kick something off the list. This isn't the year for that thing. It's a great thing. It's a good thing, but we can't do it this year. Other things you may be able to fit into like a morning time or a lunch routine where you kind of loop through like If you wanted to do art and music and read aloud and poetry, you know, like all this stuff, okay, maybe you can't do all of it every day, but you could take 15 minutes a day and do one of those things. 
and loop through and you'll, you'll hit them over the course of the year. Um, so there's, you know, there's different strategies for getting to your priorities. Um, but I just think that is like one of my biggest tips for big picture homeschool planning is start with an actual time budget. Make sure you have white space in there. Plan like a pessimist. And then you can implement like an optimist. Ooh, I love that. I am very time oriented. Um, so that really, that really strikes me. And that time, like you're, t- I don't know if you said it in these words, but like a time tracker, like really like how much time is everything going to take? And like you have, okay, so maybe you have an hour, you know, before lunch that you want to get some lessons done. How much time is it actually going to take you? And, you know, I actually, I, when I'm putting together like a new routine or something, I take notes on what actually happened um, because a lot of times I'm like, okay, that should take 30 minutes and really like, yeah, it should take 30 minutes, but that's not the world that we live in. Like I have a child over here laying on the floor doing circles and <laughs> it takes me 10 minutes to get them off the floor for some reason. Exactly. Um, and that's, yeah. And that's just the, the life we're living. So you've got to be realistic for that thing. And I think that that time tracker really helps us to be realistic. And then you said another thing about like the loop, the rotating. Mm -hmm. That's something that I love too, because it's like, you can't do all the things sometimes. You just really can't. I do that with my chores too. I'm like, all right, this is like, I do chores at this time of day in the morning. And I have all of these chores that I do in the morning and I just loop them because sometimes it's like, I didn't get to my morning chores that day. Like it just didn't happen. And I don't want to be like, you know how like some of those cleaning schedules are like, oh, well, we do this on Monday. We do this on Tuesday. But what happens if Tuesday didn't happen? Like Tuesday just didn't happen. If it's on a loop and that's it's just more freeing to be like, okay, I just pick up where I left off and we just keep looping through them. That is brilliant. I've never thought to apply it to my cleaning chores, but I'm going to be doing that. That's a great actually tip for summer. Kind of, I'm, I always use summer to get into our new chore routine for the upcoming year. And I'm going to, I'm going to implement that. I love it. Oh, I learned cool. so much about loop, um, loop scheduling from my friend Pam Barnhill. So I definitely want to give her credit. I did not come up with this idea, but it, it changed my life. Yeah. Loop scheduling. I love that. Okay. So we talked a little bit in the beginning about restful learning, what it looks like for your family. Can you give us some tips? Like, how do we pursue that on, like for our own families? Like, how do we make that a way of life for us? So I, when I talk to people about restful learning, especially in our family, it's restful classical education is sort of like what I like to say we do. Um, It sort of is about two parts. So the first is more like academic-y, And the second is more philosophical. So when we think about restful learning in the classical tradition, the word where we get the word for school, the English word school, actually comes from this Greek word skole, which means leisure. And again, like I said at the beginning, this isn't like leisure, like playtime, but it's reminding us that what education is really about is focusing on those things that are most valuable. So we're seeking truth. We're not just trying to cram knowledge. We're not um, solely focused on being productive and accomplishing all these amazing, great things, but we're wanting to cultivate wisdom. So we're looking outside of ourselves, uh, not into our own hearts and minds to find what is true and to find wisdom, Um, looking to the character of God himself, this world that he's made. 
Um, and, and I find that as that is sort of the foundation of our approach to learning, really to any academic subject, what does this subject, as we're reading and we're exploring, like what are we learning about who God is and what he's done in the world? And how does that lead us to wonder and awe yeah. and worship, which is why I called my my site Humility and Toxology. Like that actually was what I would tell my kids way before I ever started a blog, that that is what I wanted them at the end of their education to have. I wanted it to lead them to humility, to wonder and to praise, to worship. So that's yeah. like one really important part of restful learning. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So recently, um, we were doing, I guess through the fall, I had a lot of extra work I was doing. So I kind of like buckled down and had some stricter schedules than we were used to for the kids. And it went okay. But then come like December, I'm like, oh, everybody is like real tired of this. And they were like to the point like, oh, we hate doing math. We hate doing whatever it was. And I'm talking to my husband. I'm like, we need to change this. Like learning should be wonderful. It should be exciting. And now we've made it like drudgery. So we started a couple of things that you said, like seeking truth. We made a pledge of like what our school was going to be, you know, what we wanted it to be and seeking truth and value and wisdom is our top, our top thing, being curious about God's creation, things like that. So all of those things that you're saying I love, like I, they definitely resonate with me. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. You talked about classical education and for those of us who are not super familiar with it, do you want to dive in a little bit into what it, what it is, what you're doing? Yeah, sure. So classical education is certainly a term that gets thrown around a lot and people can, can mean slightly different things by it. Um, but for, for our family, we are connecting to a historic approach to education. So something that's not just um, a new revival necessarily of education, but that is founded on this idea of, of wisdom, looking outside of ourselves, connecting to the great ideas and the great thinkers of the past, uh, joining in that conversation, um, the, the liberal arts and applying those throughout all of our subjects. Um, I would highly recommend the book, The Liberal Arts Tradition by uh, Ravi Jean and uh, Scott Clark. Oh, now the names just went out. <laughs> if, I miss, if I miss said the, the authors there, I apologize to them. Um, but yeah, so those are some, some of the things that the way that looks like in, in our family. Now you're a second generation homeschooler. Did you, did you do a classical education when you were growing up? Yes. In fact, so I like to say that I was classically educated before it was cool. Uh, when I became a teenager is when some of the new books about classical ed education were coming out and I read them and um, I wrote my like senior thesis on classical education. And of course, then I was, you know, so wise in my 17 years and was like, <laughs> oh dear, if only my parents had understood classical education as well as I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So then the Lord was good to humble me. But as I've dived more deeply into classical education over the past, you know, 13 plus years of our own homeschool journey, I've realized more and more how, you know, my parents from the beginning, it was um, looking at all of the interconnectedness of the subjects, um, mm. avoiding textbooks written by committee and going to the real books that were, um, 
teaching us deeper things and ideas, asking bigger questions, not just regurgitating facts for a test. Um, I mean, we even studied logic and Latin and so many of these things. So yes, I, I am very thankful for that background and being able to apply it now with my own kids. That's awesome. You mentioned like the interconnectedness. I feel like that is so, it's so intriguing when we learn. That's like the curiosity. We can go down like the rabbit hole, which I absolutely love doing with the kids. Like the kids will ask something. I like to keep um like a notebook around throughout the day because they'll just ask random questions. Like, how does the heart make blood? I'm like, hold on a minute. I'm like, does the heart make blood? You know, let's, let's go into this. So then we'll start researching, but then you start coming up with all these other questions, you know, and then you're in like anatomy, but then you're in like a whole different subject because you go down this amazing hole of like knowledge and learning different things. And it's so fun. You know, it really is in your bio. You also talked about prioritizing relationships over checklists which really stood out to me. And I feel like it's really easy to get caught up in, you know, checking the boxes. And I, for one, I really do love having a list and having something to check off. Actually, it's my son's birthday coming up and he's having a little party. And I'm like, well, write a list of all of your friends that you want to come. I'm like, and write a list of your gifts. He's like, I've already told you all the people. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no. I'm like, I need a list to make sure that everybody gets invited. And he's like, what is up with you and lists? Um, but it's just so, it's so easy to keep focused when you have a list, but that list sometimes can work to our disadvantage, right? When it becomes more important than the things that are actually more important. So uh, what I found when I'm like trying to stick to the list sometimes, like these are the things that we have scheduled for today and we need to get them done. Sometimes I can get really aggravated if the kids are distracted or if they're just not paying attention. And now all of a sudden, you know, some of our priorities like um, relationships and showing God's love and being graceful, giving grace, um, they just, they don't work out because my anger is rising up. And I feel like that the way you say it, prioritizing relationships over checklists can really help us with that. Like, how do you walk that out? Well, that is certainly a big picture goal that does not always live out gracefully in my day-to-day life. Just to be very honest, I would never want to be like, I have figured this out. You know, (laughs) I just always have the best relationships with my kids. I am that mom who like, if something, I do something and it wasn't on the list, I'm going to write it there so I can check it off. Right. right? Oh my gosh. You so I love me some checklists. <laughs> I love it. I find it so easy to measure my accomplishments, to mm-hmm. find my own identity in those lists instead of in the the work of Christ on my behalf. Yeah. So it is something that I'm constantly fighting and repenting of and seeking to reorient my heart towards. So this is a goal, not something I have like achieved. Um, But one of the things that looks like is being willing to listen when someone um, has is having an issue, right? So sometimes that might be unrelated to the academics, but being willing to take that time when it wasn't on my plan, it's never at a convenient time. People do not, you know, tweens do not have friend drama at the most convenient time that works in your schedule. They just don't. But that's what really matters. And that's what my children are going to remember in 20 years. 
are those discussions, probably more than that one worksheet that we didn't get to that day. Um, that doesn't mean the worksheets aren't important. Accomplishing our academic goals, of course, is important, but being willing to be flexible, I think just listening, being willing to pray with our children to start the day. Our family, we start the day with our morning time routine. So that's where we we put in those things that would otherwise fall off the schedule. So our scripture memory, singing hymns together, our read aloud, those things that are knitting our hearts together and giving us a shared family culture, you know, those inside jokes. I mean, that's another way to kind of prioritize those relationships um, over something that maybe like looks fancier, like they're not going to be able to, you know, that's not on a test. That's not going to be on a test score. Mm -hmm. It's not going to end up on their transcript when they're in high school. But I will tell you as someone who now is graduating her first son, as I look back, those are the things that I'm most thankful for that I I made sure we're a part of our homeschool. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like as busy moms, we don't listen, you know, and I've noticed that my son will be like, yeah, you said that you, you told me this. I'm like, I did not say that. And he's like, yeah, remember? And he'll like point out the conversation. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasn't listening. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. But yeah, sometimes it's hard because we're so just busy with the things that we feel like we, with the checklist, right? But yeah, I think prioritizing listening is such good advice and like slowing down. I feel like in order for me to prioritize that, I really have to slow down. Yeah. Actually, recently I was talking to my husband and I felt like, I don't know, because of allergies or something that I was like, I'm like, my brain's not working. I don't know. <laughs> Lately, I just feel like I can't do it. And I was driving and just thinking and asking the Lord and, um, he had mentioned slowing down and mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, maybe these allergies are a blessing because they're causing me to slow down. So I'm not like, all right, move here, move here, do this. Come on guys, let's go. But taking that time to like connect and listen and just connect really. Yeah. And I think the end of the, of the school year too, it's just, it can be really tricky. I was driving my daughter to French class this morning and she was asking me a question about something and I just like couldn't get my brain to process like the things. And I said, Emma, I feel like I have about 35 ra like radio broadcasts happening inside my brain all at the same time right now. And I just can't hear any of them. <laughs> right. None of them make sense. No, I don't know. So yeah, just taking the time to be still and quiet and yeah. pray. I think that that can be a way to slow down. You know, prayer is one of those things that doesn't seem like quote unquote productive. And yet it's the most productive thing we can do. I know I, like over and over again, I just find that it's really the most important thing. You know, like I, I try to do all this stuff and make all the lists and schedule in all the things. And when it comes down to it, the only thing that makes it all like any of it work is prayer. Like if I'm not praying consistently, I start to, I don't know, really fall off. I guess I'm like, I don't know how people do it without God. Like, I don't understand. I'm like, maybe they're not doing it. I don't know. Or maybe it's just, you know, my journey with the Lord. But like when I start falling out or like, even like having like weak prayers, just like the, oh, like keep us safe, bless our food, you know, and just like skimming through and not really connecting. I start to like not be able to do the things and keep up for sure. Yeah. And I know that one of the things that you say is that you're convinced that gospel truth alone saves us from endlessly striving in the fear and the worry and anxiety of wondering if we in our homeschools are enough. 
And I think kind of what I just said speaks to that, but it's just over and over again, I find that that is true, that it is just the Lord that gives us the strength. And what was, has your journey been like to realize this? Like, did you realize this in the beginning of your homeschool journey or did he, the Lord use homeschooling to show you this or what was your journey like? Well, I'm very thankful to have always been under both my parents and my, my church, good gospel centered teaching. So it was like, I understood it and I could have probably like said it to you clearly, um, how that applied to my life as a homeschool mom. But like I mentioned earlier, I really came in pretty confident. I had, you know, I had been homeschooled. It was a good academic experience. I was going to do all the good things my parents had done and not do any of their mistakes. And it was going to be perfect and great. Um, <laughs> and the Lord was very good to, um, I, I joke that it was like humiliation that led to my humility, just to really break me down and help me to see that I could not achieve this great thing on my own. I couldn't save my kids with my homeschooling. I couldn't pick just the right, you know, home, I couldn't plan my homeschool in just the right way to make everything go smoothly. Um, and so learning more and more that I had to cling to Jesus, that I was not sufficient for these things, but that he was sufficient for these things. And this is sort of the other side of restful learning where I am resting in the work of Christ. You know, a lot of Christians, we talk about how Jesus died for our sins, which is true, but sometimes we forget that he also lived for us. He mm -hmm. lived a perfect life. And so when God looks at us, he's already perfectly pleased with us because of that obedience of Christ. And so when I can rest in the fact he's already done this work perfectly, I can not feel like if I don't do enough here, you know, God's not going to be pleased with me. Instead, he's already pleased with me in Christ. And so then I can ah, then move forward and walk in holiness, walk in obedience faithfully. Um, but do it from a place of rest, knowing that I'm already loved and not from a place of anxiety. Like I have to like do more, be better, somehow achieve great things as a homeschool mom. Like Jesus yeah. already did that. Yes. Um, that is so great. I actually, so I struggle with anxiety and just recently it was, it just hit me hard the last like couple of weeks and I've been praying about it and the Lord had shown me, I don't know even where it came up, but somehow the word self-reliance came up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like I'm relying on myself and that is a sin. Really? It, like I'm supposed to be relying on you in the verse Titus three, five, just somehow I came across it and it says he who saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, right? right? Not because of our works, but according to his own mercy by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy spirit. And it like just struck out to me, like I was trying, you know, ever since me and my husband uh, like a month ago had decided like we have to make some changes. I was trying to do it in my own strength. I was relying on myself and I'm like, I know how to make some schedules. I know how to make checklists. Like it's going to be so good. And instead I was like a hot mess, like so full of anxiety. And the Lord's like, no, you're not doing it by yourself. Like that, like yeah. just stop. It's exhausting. Uh, right. It was awful. <laughs> Oh, so true. And so Amy, you have shared so much goodness. And if you could leave the listeners with one takeaway, what would it be? Oh, that is so hard. Okay. One takeaway. I didn't prepare you Wait, for this give one. Me, give me a minute. I'm going to think. <laughs> really? What? What's one takeaway? <laughs> uh, I would say as my one takeaway that I really would 
want moms to remember that they are loved already before they've done great things next homeschool year, before they've started the plan. If they are in Christ, then God already loves them and is pleased with them to start from that place of joy and then to be able to share and reflect that love that does not come from accomplishment or achievement. Um, with their kids next year. Because when we model that for them, our children are going to see God's grace at work in our lives and in theirs as well. Beautiful. I love that. Um, You mentioned your free ebook. So where can people get that? Where can they find you and connect with you? Yeah. So I would love to have your listeners uh, come to my podcast. They're obviously podcast listeners. So that's Homeschool Conversations with Humility and Doxology. And then my website is humilityanddoxology.com. And if you head there, you can get the free homeschool planning um, ebook. And I'm I'm also Humility and Doxology on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all the places. Wonderful. I just want to close in prayer. Lord, I just, I thank you for what Amy is doing, Lord, teaching other moms that there is a better way to do this homeschool thing, Lord, that they don't have to rely on themselves, but they can find rest in you, Lord. And I just thank you for your faithfulness that we see over and over again, that even when we do it wrong, even when we we get it, we don't get it right, that you are there welcoming us back with open arms, Lord, and that you are faithful to provide exactly what we need through this journey. If it's energy, if it's trust, if it's faith, if it's, you know, some sleep, I don't know, but Lord, you always find a way to provide what we need. And we just thank you for that. We thank you for offering the rest and peace as we teach and disciple our children for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Amy. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.